From the truckload quoting page within TIE TMS, you can create a new shipment and to instantly display your historical lane average alongside all of the market-leading rating intelligence tools. In just a few clicks, you can adjust the quote, add your margin, select your quote response template, and email an official quote right off to the customer from the same page. Request a demo today at tie-software.com to find out how TIE TMS can optimize your quoting process. And welcome, welcome, welcome everyone in logistics here to put that coffee down. The Freight Sales Show for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host as usual for the next half hour. We are going to talk about peak season. We are going to talk really about what truckers want for the holidays. And, you know, it's more money in a lot of ways and quicker. And we're going to talk to Emily Myers, Vice President of Factor Lead at Triumph Pay here later in the show about that. She just uh, she's just completed a survey of truck drivers and and small fleet operators. And she has the, the results of what truckers want for the holidays hot off the presses. So we will touch base with her in um, here in a few minutes. But first, let's talk about the holiday season. Let's talk about Q4 and what's happening in the market. Um, you know, a lot of our, our dollars are tied to what's happening in the market right now. And it is just a, a sluggish market, a sluggish market all around peak season. We've been talking about muted peak season for quite a while, and it has stayed muted, very muted. I have some, some graphs here from Sonar to, to show uh, show you right now uh, about just how muted that is. And what we have here, our first chart is in white. We have Otri, uh, which is really lagging. It's like the mid fours, right? So mid fours, the blue line is the NTI. And the NTI is, is showing $1.80. That's without fuel. Uh, I know fuel prices have been volatile. We also have it with fuel. That's dropping as well. But $1.80 X fuel for dry van rates on a national average. You know, this is about the time of year that a lot of uh, drivers do take their vacations. They, they park their trucks. They, they go home. It's, I don't know if this is Christmas week or next week's Christmas week. I guess leading up to Christmas is Christmas week. So you should see a lot of drivers park their, park their rigs, go home, spend time with family start cooking, start deep frying turkeys. And what we're seeing is that there's still a lot of excess capacity out there. And when we look at it as compared to 2019, which is our next graph here in Sonar, these are seasonal averages or the seasonal numbers, not seasonal averages. Uh, But what you'll find is you have the green and the red or that's orange, I'm half colorblind. So I can't really tell uh, if that is red or orange, but you have the green and the orange there. That's 2021 and 2022. Uh, what we really want to look at, because the white line is this year, the blue line is pre-pandemic in 2019. And what you find is about this time of year, that's where you saw it, leading into Christmas week, you see uh, a sharp rise in, in rejection rates uh, because you know capacity's exiting the market, you know, drinking eggnog and and roasting chestnuts by an open fire. Uh, but what you don't see in 2022 is that you, you're seeing that that really low, like 
low. I, I, I can't see on my screen the exact number, uh, what it was this morning, but it is, uh, it is uh, less than 4.5%, uh, outbound tender rejection rate. Zach Strickland wrote a really good article uh, about what that means over the weekend. You can find that on FreightWaves.com as well. It, it Really what it means is that all contract freight, uh, if you have contracts in place, you are going to the contract. You're not turning anything down on contracted loads to go play the spot market, uh, which means that very few, you know, much less freight is hitting that spot market meaning less freight, more capacity out there. And that's what we're really seeing right now when we take a look at uh, the, the market. It's a muted peak season. It is just slow out there. Uh, it doesn't really foretell a great Q1. Uh, the last couple of years, 2021, 2020, um, you can see that in the seasonal chart um, that we just showed too. If you look on the left side of that graph, uh, if you're looking there, there we go. If you're looking there, you have like almost 20%, over 20% rejection rates uh, in Q1 of the last two years. It's been uh, like like gangbusters. Uh, you're going to find a much different, you're going to be much, much more close to that blue line, which is 2019, if not um, below that when you, whenever you're moving to that left side of the graph, because it's January, February, March. It is the, that first quarter there. So with that said, it's uh, it's going to be rough out there. It's all about um, all about gaining new customers. We'll talk here in a little bit about 2023 and kind of plans and strategies and building your dream list. Um, but with that, you know, securing that capacity, uh, you know, though there's been a lot of talk over the years uh, about payments, and we'll see that. Now, next uh, next chart is is uh, a freight tech survey that we did here at Freight Waves. Uh, a few weeks ago, Joe Antishak um, published this, I believe, last week on FreightWaves.com, so you can find it there. Uh, but you can see on this, it's a detail of, of you know, kind of verticals in freight tech and and market sentiment for success in 2023, right? So it's really about, uh, you know, the solutions and where those find it. Um one to five, five being the most, um, the, the, the best fit for 2023, one not being a very good fit at all. You see a lot of threes um, in there, but, you know, since we're going to talk to Emily here in a, in a few minutes, um, you have freight freight payments and factoring. Um, you know, this is the third third best fit, just, just barely edged out by digital uh, freight matching. Uh, which oftentimes goes hand in hand, but it's as far as fits go in the the field of different verticals and and way tech is is adapting and and, and solving problems for for freight brokerages and the three PL world, just really the entire logistics world. It is uh, seen as as one of the the, the best fits for 2023, which uh, bodes well for the the folks over at, at Triumph Pay. Um, before I bring Emily on, though, let's talk about Thai TMS. Thai TMS saves 3PLs and brokers an average of over two hours a day per rep with a smooth workflow designed to help you speed up your process and scale the growth of your brokerage. With a centralized platform integrated with your load boards, rating tools, and carrier compliance, Thai TMS customers see an average 30% increase in monthly shipment volume. Visit thai-software.com today to schedule a demo. You can see how it's spelled there on screen right now, T-A-I hyphen software.com so go uh go go say hi to to our friends over at tide there so 
with that said, uh, Emily, Emily Myers, she is the VP of Factor Lead at Triumph Pay. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I am doing great. Um, so can you describe a little bit about Factor Lead, kind of your role over at Triumph Pay to, to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Triumph Pay has a customer base of about 90 factors at this time. Um, and so I lead our sales team that that serves those factors in the industry and is uh, bringing automation to them. Perfect. Very good. So um, I, I looked at the survey this morning. You've just done a survey. It's hot off the price presses with uh, with drivers and um, and what they want for the holiday season. So I will ask you the very simple question, right? Of of what did they tell you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and thank you for having me on as well. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. Um, but yeah, so so Triumph Pay pays more drivers and carriers than anyone else in the U.S. right now. Um, so this season, we conducted a survey to gauge truck drivers' opinions on some of their biggest issues and challenges. Um, so some of their top concerns during these holiday months are actually so spot market rates. Um, they've been trending downwards for quite some time, and drivers are more concerned about are more concerned about these rates um, than some things they've been concerned about in the past. They're also very concerned about high cost of fuel, inflation, um, and, and long payment cycles. So while carriers are more concerned right now about making a difference in their margins, uh, especially in the, in the spot market, they're also very concerned about things like fuel costs, inflation. Um, like you said, this, this season has been lower than, than seasons past. Uh, so really making every dollar count and also getting paid on time. Um, another interesting result from the survey is that, um, you know, as volume has been down this season, so has the cycle uh, or the cycle to get paid has been longer and longer. Um, so if you can imagine as a carrier getting weight to pay that long is a huge problem, right? And it's also tough for the carrier to predict their cash flow and expenditures while facing such a long payment cycle. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's trucking, right? Uh, so there there are longer uh, payment cycles, longer than they really should be. I mean, I think that's that's one of the the, the things that I, I've been around for for ten years in, in freight, and it's been talked about in kind of automating those those payments. Uh, but when we talk about it, I mean, you know, what what kind of lag time are we talking about on on, on average when we're talking about? Uh, payment cycles uh, to carriers and what can be done to, to to really shorten those and shorten the bulk of those. Yeah. So even while some carriers are getting paid on time today, technically on time, it can still take over 60 days for them to get paid, which is crazy, right? Um, and the industry as a whole, honestly, is still beset by manual processes that take a long time, such as phone calls and emails and I even talk to customers sometimes who are still making physical exchanges of paperwork, like over the mail, over fax, um, things like that. And so, you know, carriers have a business to run and they're getting so bogged down with filling out paperwork to get paid. And there are a lot of middlemen involved in the transaction, right? Like brokers and factors. Um, so each time, you know, that transaction changes hands, you know, from a carrier to a factor, a factor back to a broker, and then the broker's communicating with the carrier. And the broker's communicating with the shipper. Um, that exchange of paperwork, each person or each party uh, wants a slice of that pie. Um, so verifying you know, the truth and the source of these invoices takes time and effort. And carriers are already stressed enough, right? Um, you know, it's long hours on the road. And you know, like we said, inflation is high, fuel costs are high. So it's just another thing that they need to worry about. Um, 
And then there's also yeah, the greater problem of, you know, the freight industry is fractured as a whole. Um, and the majority of carriers, over 90% operate with six or fewer trucks. Um, and these are small business owners that, again, have to interact with all of these third parties and all of those exchanges of paperwork and changes of hands takes time and money and phone calls and emails. Um, so that's what takes the carrier so long to get paid and, and what we're trying to shorten. It's weird that uh, still to this day, because I, I walked in my first brokerage probably in two, two, 2012, right? It was August of 2012. I remember, I don't know about fondly, but I remember it very well. And um, and there's still fax machines and, and drivers were still mailing in PODs, right? And I, I think you mm-hmm. touched upon that. Mailing in, you flash forward 10, 11 years, and, and I don't know what percentage of PODs are mailed in, but it's it's much too many. It's much too many because you're talking about two or three days, uh, you know, transit. And um, if you're doing that, you probably have someone physically manually entering in that end, processing that into the accounting system, and then a physical check or a comp check or, or whatever it may be uh, going out the door. And, uh, you know, it, it just it was seems, you know, certainly inefficient. But isn't there the, the, the tools out there that are readily accessible now for uh to, to automate that, right? To, to, to scan that document, to, to get that PD, POD in almost instantaneously. And uh, it's just amazing to me that the, the snail mail is still uh, a form and a method of, of being invoiced and the invoice process. Yeah, I mean, we completely agree. Um, and, you know, the freight industry has taken that nice first step in terms of automation, you know, with products like Hubtran or Audit out there that um, allow for, that use OCR essentially to extract the data off documents, organize them in a nice structured manner, and then get that information into the accounting system that either the doctor or the broker or whomever is using. But even within that process, without the lack of data, it still lacks that transparency that, you know, what a carrier is submitting to a broker, what a carrier is submitting to a factor is legitimate and real and the rate is correct. And it's in those nuanced parts of the transaction that things start to get really messy um, without the data. And that's when you start to see the time tack on and tack on and continue to tack on. And the one who is suffering the most in that transaction is the carrier because it's tacking on the amount of time it takes for them to get paid. Is that kind of the central theme in the process is is that that missing data or that the, there's human errors maybe in the process when it comes to data about closing that gap and, and taking this from, from 60 or 70 days uh, to maybe hours, right? Because I, I know a lot of the process, there's some timing, you know, certainly some timing cash flow considerations uh, for, for all parties involved, but, but the actual physical um, process of actually generating, going through the entire invoice process, should probably be in hours or maybe a couple of days rather than 60 days. Is, is that part of the process of closing that gap? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I speak from the, the factoring perspective, obviously, because that's what I do day in and day out. But I mean, factors are trying to get their carriers funded as quickly as possible, right? But in order to do that, oftentimes they need to you know, take in the paperwork from the carrier. Usually that's via email or a portal that they've designed. Um, And then they need to reach out to the broker for what they call a pre-purchase verification. Um, And all this is doing is calling the broker's AP department and saying, hey, is this invoice real? You know, is it legitimate? Is this rate correct? You know, did the carrier take an advance? Did all of those typical questions to vet out, you know, ultimately that they're going to pay the carrier the correct amount um, and then turn around to the broker and, and collect on that payment later in the process. 
Um, you know, and then they fund the invoice and then they needed to collect from the broker, which could elicit, you know, another call to the broker, making sure that they're going to get paid on time. And as you can see, it's just this whole transaction that kind of snowballs. So exact, you know, exactly as you said, while it should be able to happen within hours because we have that data um, and we have the means to facilitate the transaction between all the parties. Right now, it's so fragmented and none of the systems talk to each other. You know, the broker's accounting system doesn't talk to the factor. The factor system doesn't you know, talk to the broker's system. And so something that should be happening fairly instantaneously, um, oftentimes it's taking you know, hours to days to make sure that humans are, are speaking with each other to make sure that everything is validated. Yeah, it can turn into a phone tag because I, I used to get calls from from factory companies confirming loads. They weren't my loads, and I tried to get them to the right people, and I couldn't find them in the system, or I didn't have time to to, to do it. And uh, it could take days for to, to find the right person who could give you the right information at freight brokerages. So uh, those. But before you leave, Emily, I I, I did see in the survey. I, I was looking over it. And um, uh, one of the interesting uh, findings, uh, just talking about market knowledge and, and coming up in January and February, is uh, the, the question, do you plan on driving more or less hours in, in January and February, right? You get over this peak season. And, uh, and seasonally, it's usually the, the weakest uh, points for, for freight. Um, but you found, um, I forget how many, but it's, it's quite a few more no's. You know, we, we do plan on on driving just as, as many hours. I mean, um, did that, that kind of surprise you or uh, what did you take from, from that answer? Yeah, it did surprise me a bit just because of the way, I mean, the data that, that was presented earlier in this in this session, just seeing that the peak season is going to be much lower than we typically anticipate it to be. Um, but you're absolutely right. What was very interesting is when we surveyed the drivers, they were increasing, they were anticipating an increase um, and freight volumes, and we're anticipating those long delivery hours. Um, so that may be, you know, just the the typical uh, anticipation you know, that they feel around this time of the year. Um, but yeah, we we thought that was interesting too. It, it is, you know, and, and and certainly we were talking about a capacity glut. You know, though there's a lot of capacity out there, and um, but, but I think that that speaks as well to, to the weakness in the spot market is that um, drivers, uh, you know, certainly believe that they need to work more. Uh, since a spot market rates have have you know declined so far in in 2022, uh, that you have to drive more to to earn the, the same amount of money, and you kind of see that in the sentiment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and that's why uh, you know earlier we talked about spot markets and the carrier being able to make a nice margin on those. That was one of their top concerns by by what we surveyed, um, you know, and just making sure that they're you know getting every dime that they can during this season. Perfect. Thank you so much, Emily, for for joining the show and and talking about your survey. And that should be published uh, pretty soon. I'm sure. How does uh, how does our audience, our our listeners and and our viewers uh, reach out and learn more about Triumph Pay and um, the the, the services that you have? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And with that, that is Triumph Pay talking about their survey that they'll be publishing uh, pretty soon uh, here uh, coming up, talking about uh, the, the factoring process. And I, I just remember back in, in my freight broken days how inefficient that that could get. Um, used to get calls from factory companies all the time uh, looking to confirm loads. Uh, some I could find, some I couldn't. And um, it really does. It turns into a, a phone tag. And if you think about it, factory companies have to, to get the TOT, that paperwork from uh, the, the drivers. And then um, 
you know, the, the middle people trying to, to get confirmations from freight brokers and get everything sorted out. So it can be certainly a, a challenge on, on in that respect. So thanks again, Ted, to Emily for, for coming on the show, uh, talking uh, about that and talking about, you know, it was very interesting the, the January, February numbers of, of drivers are not uh, likely to, uh, to, to park their trucks and, and maybe take a little bit of the winter off or, or maybe go find uh, another position, maybe construction or whatever for the next couple of months uh, to wait out the spot market. So, uh, you know, when you think about recovering in, in the spot market, about capacity leaving the market, it doesn't seem like the sentiment there is there yet. You never know when that sentiment might uh, creep up. But, you know, with the, the peak season being so muted this year, it, it's no surprise. Um, in a lot of ways that um, this is just tough out there and um, and speeding up that cash flow is very important for for everybody uh, drivers as well so if they can speed up that cash flow at least that is uh, a bright spot um, with a, a falling market that we have uh, here and that we've seen in in 2022 for for quite a bit now um, on other news. So, so basically, I, I I did a LinkedIn post um, earlier, maybe over the weekend actually, um, about uh, some some data I got from from Carrier Details, um, from Kathy Sardelli and and Mark Drape over there. They have a really good historical database of of FMCSA and changes over time. One of those uh, does look specifically at uh, freight brokers. We published this uh, a couple months ago, but I put it out on LinkedIn. Again, just to, 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 to you know, gauge the market, to gauge uh, LinkedIn um, viewers out there to see exactly uh, kind of a ballpark number of freight brokers. I have that, that slide and that, that, that data up here. So if we can throw this up, this is freight brokerages over time starting in uh, 2021, or I'm sorry, 20, uh, 2001. It's been so long ago, I can't even talk. Uh, 2001. Until January of 2022, you can see that the last couple of years of pandemic seen exponential growth, uh, which is no surprise um, on that. So uh, around 27,000 authorized freight brokerages in the FMCSA census file. What does that really mean? Um, that's a good question uh, in, in of itself. Because um, are those active brokers? How many have a million or more in revenue? And, um, you know, when you start looking at that, which ones have a million or more in, in revenue, or maybe it's 10 million or more or 20 million or more, um, whenever you, you start putting those parameters or those criteria on there, that that number drops precipitously. And I, I think everyone was thinking if you're looking at, say, 10 million or more, you're looking at about four or five thousand freight brokerages that are really operating um, at 10, 10 million or more. It might be a little bit less than that. One million or more. Um, you, you probably have seven or eight thousand. So it's an interesting chart. You see that that big dip in, in 2013, and that corresponds to the, the surety bond. Whenever the surety bond uh, got reset from ten thousand to seventy five thousand, uh, you saw about thirty three percent of freight brokers just kind of just disappeared. Now whether that made it unprofitable for them run or if they, they just weren't really it was more of a side hustle or something that wasn't wasn't full time or wasn't really operational. 
you don't want to keep that 75000 So whether those are active or just uh, marginal freight brokers, just doesn't matter. I, I think you attach the same number to marginal or unprofitable uh, freight brokerages or freight brokerages so that, you know, they move a load here or there. Uh, you can probably apply that as well to uh, the, the numbers of that 27,000, 27, right? You can take nine or 10,000 just completely off and, and not even worry about them and kind of get back to that 17,000 number. But it's very interesting. You can see that if you go to Kevin Hill on, on LinkedIn, you can see that. I also have been doing some audio only uh, podcasts over the last uh, few weeks, and you can check those out. Andy Schills, uh, co founder of Silo, we talked about you know that 13 hour kind of no fail brokerage. Uh, Shannon Breen, co founder of Freight Vana, we talked about customer retention and, and also trailer pools, drop and hook in the freight brokerage world. Uh, Joe Hendricks, our very own uh, account manager over here in media sales at FreightWaves, talking about marketing in tough times. And uh, Tony Darnell, uh, he's a shipping manager over at Lippert, Lippert uh, talking about you know how we should approach shippers. So some good tips there. But with that, that wraps it up for this week. I'll see you next week here on Put That Coffee Down, Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time here on FreightWaves TV. I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expenses, cause when is expensive? I got expenses, cause when is expensive? I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting out the stars.